of the reflection of the gospel. This is a, traditionally was called the third epiphany of Jesus. Uh, after the first epiphany, when the Magi came, or the three kings, the baptism of the Lord, which we celebrated a week ago, and a wedding at Cana. And it's such a rich gospel that we could have spent many hours just talking about this one passage. I'm going just to highlight certain things from the gospel. But the message is very simple. First, it's just the first message, if you want to take away something from here, God provides all that we need. We only have to invite the Blessed Mother and Jesus. That's the takeaway. If you don't remember anything else, remember, invite the Blessed Mother and Jesus and there will be plenty of everything. But the meaning of the miracle that took place in Cana of Galilee is much greater, and there are many layers in this gospel. So I'm going to just, you know, talk about a little bit some of those layers. First, what literally happened there, so just retell the story, and forgive me if you heard this many times, but I think when we hear in different words, especially when a foreigner is talking, right, that people pay more attention because they don't know what he is pronouncing. So the little layer, Jesus and, Ma- and his mother Mary were, and as well as all, the, all of the disciples, were invited to the wedding ceremony or a party, but th- this was more like festivities. When we think about parties, just, you know, uh, having fun. In the Jewish context, it was more than just having fun. There were festivities, very religious meaning, as well as joyful in human terms. And since perhaps there were more people than expected because of the presence of the disciples, they ran out of wine. So this caused the great embarrassment. Here, the wine also has a much deeper meaning, which I will talk again. But just to, to point that, wine wasn't just an alcoholic drink. It was considered a sign of God's blessing, of joy and abundance. So it had to be wine. Even if you today go to a wedding a ceremony, some, some party, there has to be something to make people cheerful. And that is why it had to be enough for everyone during those festivities. And those weddings didn't last just a few hours like in the United States. It lasted for days. Sometimes a couple, couple of days, sometimes a week. The head waiter, or in today's terms, the MC, must have been extremely concerned when they ran out of wine during those celebrations. And this fact was noticed by the Blessed Virgin Mary, and she reported first to Jesus. So Mary commands everyone else to do whatever Jesus tells them. And the servers fill up six stone water jars, each holding 20 to 30 gallons. And our blessed Lord then blesses the water, and it turns, the water turns into wine. And not just any wine, but it's much better than before. Really tasty, and much nobler than the previous wine. So the party, we can ter- say in human terms, was rescued. This is like the literal layer, the first layer, which you hear in the gospel. Just a quick question, how much wine, wine, how much wine was that? If you kind of count, think about this. Six stone jars, 20 to 30 gallons each. Let's say it was 25 gallons on average. So that gives you 150 gallons, which is about 1,300 bottles of wine if we use today's measures. 
So that would be only a rich man's wedding. Who could afford that much wine? Our Lord Jesus Christ turned this human wedding, mere human wedding, into the wedding feast of the Lamb. And that's how we start those deeper layers of the gospel. Because this is a prelude to the heavenly feast, the abundance of God's blessings. So this is what Jesus points us to. So this is the first sign that Jesus performed in the Gospel of John. And that's what the, the, the evangelist is saying. And Jesus performed this sign. And from now on, he started public ministry. And what kind of sign was that? This is the sign of God's presence. From that moment on, Jesus would become public. And his hour has come. Now he must publicly proclaim to the world the good news of salvation. And the sign is the incredible love of God for all humanity. Observe this, that according to the Gospel of John, Jesus' first miracle was neither a healing, nor casting out a demon, nor raising from the dead. This is very curious. That's in other Gospels. The first sign Jesus performed was changing water into wine during a wedding. How wonderful sign is that? Through it, God shows how much he values human love and family. I think this is a message to all of us. Because God has created human love and God has a plan for it. And very often we forget about it. We think we have to reinvent the will, and we end up in the dead end, sometimes literally. But God has a plan, and we have to only participate in it. So this is the great sign, God's love, that sanctifies human love. Look at the, the lives of the saints. We can probably recall so many saints, how much love they had, not because of, of their human love, it was what God gave them, and they were able to share with others, the martyrs. It's impossible, humanly impossible, to do those things on all of the continents. So many people gave their lives for Christ. It is God's blessing. When we are immersed in Christ, when we receive from Christ, we are able to give to others. So here's much deeper symbolism of wine. In the Bible, wine is something from God. It's God's blessing. On one hand, wine symbolizes all that is human, joy and sorrow, hope and despair. But on the other hand, when it, it was offered at the Passover Seder, it was directly connected to the history of salvation. The four cups that were offered during the Seder were to invoke the wondrous deeds that God did for the chosen nation, the redemption from slavery, flight from Egypt, passing of the Red Sea, the covenant at Sinai, and finally, the expectation of the coming of the Messiah. So when they used wine, it was all that, in this, even in the wedding ceremony. It wasn't just drinking what we think today, just to have fun. Thus, during the Jewish weddings in ancient times, the use of wine was both symbolic and casual. 
But the presence of God was always invoked, as well as in the wedding feast of Cana. Hence, when Jesus performs this sign, he announces, Here I am to do great wonders amidst all of you. He also refers to the outpouring of his own blood that eventually will become his sacramental presence in the Holy Eucharist. You see how much meaning is here in this little gospel? But this is not the end. Just a few more things. We're not going to spend many hours, but just to point out, what is that hour, the hour? This is another layer that refers to the meaning of the hour in the gospel. This sounds a little bit strange when the Blessed Mother comes to her son, Jesus, and Jesus almost reproaches her. That's what it sounds in this translation. It's like, what's this concern with, with, with me or with you? But there's another translation that says, Fulton J. Shin used to use that translation. I follow that. Woman, what to me, to thee. Woman, what to me, to thee. It is not... Woman, what da, how does your concern affect me? Woman, what to me to thee? Meaning, if we start this, my hour has come. And this means the passion, the suffering, and eventually death on the cross. When Jesus talks about the hour, he talks about his passion and death on the cross. So Jesus is asking, do you really want to start this? And surely they do start the hour of salvation. So this is another deep meaning here in the gospel. And Jesus is addressing also the Blessed Mother, a woman. This is another word very important in this gospel. Because in the biblical language, it is gene or genai in Greek, which means woman, could be also a wife, but for us important is that the same word is in Greek translation used for Eve, the first mother. She was just the woman. And when Jesus addresses the blessed mother woman, he says, you are the second Eve. You are the new mother of the humanity. You're going to give different kind of life, spiritual life that comes from God only. The next time that Jesus is going to use the same word, if you remember, is at the foot of the cross, when he will call, woman, this is your son. Entrusting all humanity to the Blessed Virgin Mary. And finally, it is the role of the Blessed Virgin Mary that is so important in the life of the church and the life of each one of us. There is, you can even do some studies. Whoever has a good, healthy devotion to the Blessed Virgin Mary usually has a great devotion to the Church, to the Eucharist, to Jesus Christ. That's something amazing. And Mary is present there, and she points to Jesus as well. And these are the last words that she spoke in the Gospel. If you didn't know that, you will know this after this this homily. This is the last time that Mary speaks in the gospel. And the last words she says is, do whatever he tells you. 
From that point on, we never hear again Mary speaking, speaking in the gospel. Isn't that amazing? It's silence. And this woman wrapped in silence. We know about her. We know from different sources about her. But in the gospel itself, she never speaks again. So we come to the Blessed Virgin Mary, asking her that she may enter our lives to point out what kind of needs we have, spiritual needs, so that our life, the water of our life that is tasteless, has you know, no value sometimes, or there's great value in water, but let's say it's tasteless, that may be changed into the water of divine, into the wine of divine love. The Blessed Virgin Mary tells each one of us, says to each one of us, do whatever he tells you. Brothers and sisters, let us trust these words. Let us pray through the intercession of the Blessed Virgin Mary and trust that Jesus can change our lives. Amen.